here. Well, a big welcome to those who are watching online. It's great to have you here. If the messages have blessed you anyway, do write to us, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Church, can we just say a big hello to those who are watching online? Well, we were away last week. We certainly missed being here. I heard Aaron did all right. Did Aaron do all right? I think he's, he's a fine young, uh, young preacher there. But we were down the South Island speaking at Travis Junction. But I wanted to, there's no place like home. It's weird when you're in a service and you're preaching, you're thinking, I wish I was back at your own, my own church. And, and, and not because there's anything wrong with that. I just, I, just, I, I just miss you guys. And we, we were both saying as we drove off, it's like, wow, we, it's just such a strange, uh, strange thing. We were down there for a wedding. Ruby um, got married. You, some of you may know Ruby, but she's um, a youth pastor down there and she got married. How old is she did? Did you say? She was 19. She, 19. Yeah, she, she, she's 20 now, just got married. And uh, so we went down to celebrate with pastors Carl and Lisa as their daughter uh, did that. One of the things we learned is that, uh, I think it was a year or a couple of years ago, Ruby actually came up here and um, spent a week here uh, wanting to be in ministry. And, and she saw what different ones were doing. She attended youth. She went back there and said, hey, I want to be a youth pastor, seeing what had happened here and seeing what Grace and different other ones were doing. It was maybe a couple of years ago. And so it was so exciting to see that dream now fulfilled. She's a youth pastor touching so many uh, lives. And it just, again, just reminds us of the power and impact we can have as a church, not just here, but across the nation, how it can influence and change uh, people's uh, lives. So I had an interesting experience on the plane. It was actually as I was getting off in, in, in Christchurch. So as I was getting off, the stewardess uh, stopped me, which doesn't often happen. Uh, but she, she said, excuse me, has anyone told you you're the spitting image of Elton John? I mean, you just look exactly like Elton John. I was turned around a little bit shocked saying, no, sorry. Uh, usually it was Russell Crowe. It used to be Russell Crowe. It must be I'm getting older. But I thought that was kind of funny. No one's ever said that to me before. I told that to the staff. Guess what happened? Uh, uh, someone said I look like Elton John. The next thing I know, I got this uh, put up. Uh, if we can see... Uh, <laughs> Claudette quickly uh, made that happen. Claudette's no longer working here. She's, uh, uh, she's moved on, but goodbye, Norma Jean. So uh, just great. But uh, again, I just want to say uh, straight after the service, we will be uh, getting in the car as soon as the service is over. We have got to make a two o'clock uh, flight. We are flying to uh, Queenstown. Tough life, I know. So, um, but we will be leaving straight after. So if you know, where have they gone? They've just disappeared. That's where we're going. Appreciate your prayers. We're going there for a couple of days, just gathering with Pentecostal uh, uh, leaders from around the nations of, of some of the bigger movements and churches just to, just to talk and dream. We do it once a year. Paul De Jong, who, who's, uh, if you know him, got, well, I guess the biggest church in New Zealand, 8,000 on a Sunday. So he just calls it and we just gather and just in a small room, just a few of us uh, talking and chatting and dreaming for uh, what can God can do in the nation. So we, we get to do it. Once again, it's a privilege. It's not something we, it's not a right, it's a privilege. And so to be in that room and just to hear what God is doing. So I appreciate your prayers, but that's where we're going straight after the uh, service. And uh, again, I just appreciate all the volunteers and teams that put things together. Do you know 180 hours every week goes in to all the work that the Dream Team does uh, to make these services happen? Can we thank all the sound guys, video guys, multimedia guys, cafe guys, children's church, all, all of it just is incredible. I, I, I've got a two-part, I'm starting a two-part series today, and it's called Tempted. Tempted. It suddenly went quiet in here. Tempted. Tempted. And, and, and 
I want to ask a question. I'll begin with asking a question. Have you ever been tempted? Now, you might be tempted to lie right now. Just don't do that. But can I have a show of hands if you've ever been tempted and you want to admit it here today? Yes. So, so, so again, when we talk about being tempted, we, we realize it's a part of the human experiences. It's part of our human experience. And, and the truth is temptation affects us all. It's something we all at some stage will have to wrestle with. If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then the next day. It's just a part of life. Temptation affects us all. And I'm not just talking about being tempted to sin. I, I mean, we can be tempted for all kinds of things. We can be tempted to worry. We can be tempted to worry. There's a lot of people worrying right now. There's a lot of, uh, you know, this, this coronavirus and all that. I, I'm just seeing it. There's a lot of people, like, they're, they're tempted to worry. They're tempted, let's say, to go even beyond worry, they're tempted to fear or become, uh, become fearful. And, and I see it. We, we, we can watch it on the news. It's like the news is amping, uh, amping it up because, again, it gets clicks and gets likes and gets watches and, and, and again, and I... I I want to just remind us, we, we can be tempted to be fearful, but I want to tell you, we've not been given a spirit of fear. Come on. About four of you, I think I'll preach that. I said, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. We, we, we need to not allow. It's amazing to me, even looking at different news sources, how different the information is. They can be talking about, I, I saw two news sources this week and, and, and I don't know where they got their information, but they were using the same sort of places that they were speaking about, the same type of uh, environments where they're saying they got the information, yet, yet the amount of people they were talking about was like 200,000 difference. It was a 200, I mean, how does that happen from supposedly reliable news sources? And so there's a lot of fear-mongering out there. But now, again, too, I'm not saying we've also not been given a spirit of stupid. Can I hear an amen for that? I'm not saying being an idiot. Okay, I'm not saying let's just do whatever and, and we'll just, you know, we've got to be prepared. Part of what we'll be doing down south will be talking about how will that affect the church. But we've got to remember that we have not been given a spirit of fear. We can be tempted to be fearful, but we've not been, that is not the spirit we have been given. And, and, and again, can I just tell you, our favorite news outlets are never going to put on the good news. Right. So they're, they're a bad news outlet. That's just what they do. We've got the good news right here. Come on, somebody. We've got Jesus is right here. And, and so, so, so we're the good news outlet. In fact, I read, I put it on my um, uh, Facebook. There's a, and I haven't seen that on the news. But see, see, I don't know whether you know, in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Post put this, Israeli scientists have been working on a vac vaccine for the coronavirus for four years. And so they're saying that they're only a few weeks away from finding a vaccine. Whether that's true uh, or not, in the sense of it being four weeks away, the actual article is a, uh, is a fact. But they started working on it after the last bird flu. But you won't hear that on the news. Come on, somebody. And I just thought, how incredible if that works out, that Israel will, will find, the Jewish people will find a, a, a vaccine for that. And the first people it's going to is Iran. Come on, somebody. I, I just think the mind boggles at what God will do and how God can use different situations. But we can be tempted to fear. We can be tempted for all kinds of things. We can be tempted to have a bad attitude. I know that's never affected anybody in these services, but in the other services, absolutely. We can have a bad attitude. We can be tempted to judge. We can be tempted to judge people and we can be quick to judge. We've got to be careful. 
Someone said this, we can judge ourselves by our motives, but we judge other people by their actions. And so we'll say, oh, you did this because of that, that. No, but when we do something wrong and we do it, we just go, well, it's because of this and because of that. We've got to be careful because we can be tempted to judge. We, we, uh, uh, you know, and I just want to say, don't judge other people for their sin that you don't struggle with. Because we don't know what you struggle with. Don't judge other people for the st- sin that they, tra- they, they struggle with just because you don't struggle with it. Because you, you, we all got issues. Come on, somebody. Amen. 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 So we can be tempted to, to, for all types of things. We can be tempted to walk out. We can be tempted to give up. We can be tempted to lash out. We can be tempted to quit. Whatever it is, maybe a job or maybe a situation or maybe a relationship or maybe a marriage, maybe whatever it is, we can be tempted to quit. We can be tempted by all kinds of things. But I want to say this here today. Remember, you are not tempted because you are bad. You are tempted because you are human. Oh, I'll say it again. You are not tempted because you are bad. You are tempted because you are human. Temptation is a part of the human condition. Oscar Wilde, the great playwright, said this, I can resist everything except temptation. Come on, somebody. It's true. That speaks, that's very much like our, like our situation. But what is temptation? What is temptation? Why are we tempted and, and what can we do about it? And we need to ask that question because temptation can be tough. It can be tough. It can be difficult. When you're walking through it, it's one thing to talk about and have a laugh about it here. But when you're going through it, it can be tough. It can be difficult. It can be a struggle. Have you ever had a kid or somebody who's just found a doorbell? Maybe they don't have a doorbell at their house. And they've found a doorbell and they're just like, look, I found a doorbell. And they're just like, ding, 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 ding. Mason and Natalie's kids do that on our doorbell. Not all the time, but sometimes. They're like, ding, 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 ding. It's like, who is on the doorbell? You can be sure next time they check, don't you touch that doorbell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. But, but again, you know, it's just like, oh, this new, newfound thing. But someone said this, I don't know who said it, but I think it's pretty cool. They said, opportunity only knocks once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. I'll say that again. Opportunity only knocks once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. In Hebrew and Greek, the word tempted basically means to, to test. It carries with it the idea of enticement. The devil seeks to entice. Our enemy seeks to entice us. In other words, it's not so much that we try it. It's not that we try it. It's the fact that it tries us. It's not the fact that we test it. It tests us. It tests us. In fact, the root word from which we get the word temptation in the Greek of the New Testament is the word pira. And pira means to pierce. To pierce. It's interesting because Jesus was pierced for our sin and for our transgression. But that's what it means, the root word. It means 
Temptation means to test, but the root word from which it comes, pira, means to pierce. And that's what temptation tries to do. It, it tries to pierce, it tries to probe your defenses in the hope of finding a way into your life. But here's what I want you to know today, and this is probably the most important thing to get today. If you forget everything else, although that picture of Elton John is quite difficult to forget, but if you forget everything else, here's what I want you to remember. Here's the most important thing I want you to get today, and that is this. Temptation is not sin. Very important that you get this. Temptation is not sin. Sin. Giving into temptation can lead to sin, but temptation in and of itself is not sin. And I say that because if you don't make the distinction between the two, you will suffer guilt, shame, pain, and unnecessary heartache that you really don't need to walk through. I was talking to someone after the last service and they said, oh, that is so true. They just said, I feel tempted all the time. And then I just go, oh, that's it, I've blown it. And I just throw myself into it, go all the way. Temptation is not sin. And when you understand that, you, 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 it can change how, how you live your life. Well, are you sure, Pastor? Are you sure temptation is not sin? Yes, I am sure. I'm very sure. See, Scripture tells me that Jesus was without sin. Can I hear an amen on that one? Yep, that's, 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 that's Bible. Jesus was without sin. Scripture also tells me Jesus was tempted. So one, Jesus was without sin and Jesus was tempted. If you don't believe me, Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted just as we are, yet without sin. It's an interesting uh, verse uh, for me because it's uh, talking about a high priest, Jesus. I, I, I love the fact that this verse is telling me that we do not serve a God who is afar off. We do not serve a God who doesn't understand us. We, we serve a God who gets us. He gets us. He understands our pain. Not only does He understand it just from a, a mental ascent. He, he, he understands, he also feels it. So he, he feels our pain. He's moved by our pain. When you sit there in the dark night of the soul and you're crying out to God, he feels that. He's not like just toughen up, snowflake. He feels that. He, he feels the, the, the pain. He feels the the heartache, we do not, listen, if you're here today and you're going, I don't know if God could ever understand someone like me. I want to tell you, He does. I want to tell you, I don't know if God would ever hear my prayer. He does. He does. He is moved by our pain. He is moved by our suffering. He's not a God who does not understand our situation. He's not a God who gives up on us. Others might give up. He won't give up on us. Oh, forget them. They just drive me up the wall. He he's not going to do that to you. He's for you. And if God is for you, who can be, come on, against you? So he's touched with our feelings and our infirmities. In fact, the Bible says he even left that place. He left that place of God's glory. 
and humbled himself and became a man and became even obedient to death, even death on a cross. He understands our pain. He understands our struggles. He understands our temptations. The Bible says in all points he was tempted just as we are. Just as we are. Now, if you're like me, I've got a lot of points. Don't look at me like that. Some of you got lots of points too. I mean, I've got a lot of points. If he's tempted in all points, I've got a lot of points. It'll probably fill more than one page. Small writing. Come on, somebody. Anybody else who wants to admit? I mean, you've just got stuff that's going, going. Someone went, yeah, I just want to die. Some of you were like, the fan won't lift. Just won't lift. Come in Jesus' name. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus was even tempted by the devil himself. But I want you to understand this, and I've said this before, it's very important you get this. Jesus was not tempted because he was bad. He was tempted because he was important. He was important. God had a plan plan for him that he desired to accomplish in Jesus Christ, he was not tempted because he was bad. He was tempted because he was important. It says in Luke 4 verse 1, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tempted by the devil. Oh, there's so much in that scripture. I mean, the fact that you can be full of the Holy Spirit and still tempted. You can still be full. I mean, you might be hearing, you say, I'm a Pentecostal. Oh, Lord, I'm a tongue-speaking, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal. Friend, I want to tell you, even a tongue-speaking, Holy Ghost person can be tempted by the devil. And people go up to me and say, oh, no, that's not a problem. That'll never happen to me. Well, if it can happen to King David, it can happen to us. If even King David, a man after God's own heart can be tempted, anybody can be tempted. Come on, somebody. Full of the Holy Spirit, yet he was tempted for 40 wilderness days. And nights, he was tempted by the devil. 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know about you, I, I find about 40 minutes tough going. Come on, somebody. 40 minutes is tough going, really. For 40 days, the devil was leaning on his doorbell. Ding dong. Ding dong, 40. 40, of course, is the number of testing. I don't know whether you noticed a little aside. 40 is the... In Scripture is the number of testing. Numbers have different, different meanings. Uh, the number 11, the number 15. Put them together, 11, 15. That's the time church starts. Come on, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little pause for effect. But numbers have different meanings in the, in the Bible. 40 is the number of... Of testings, you can see it all the way through Genesis seven eleven. That's a good name for a shop. But in Genesis seven verse eleven, it says, "In the times of Noah, the heavens opened, and listen, it rained for how long? Not fifty days. It rained for forty days and forty nights." So it's the number of testing. You'll see it. Numbers have meaning in the Bible. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for how long? Forty times ten, four hundred years. How long did the Israelites wander in the wilderness? 40 years. It's a number of testing. They, uh, and of course, these events are all found in Exodus, which happens to have 40 chapters. 
Moses, he lived for 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the desert before God called him. It's a number of testing. He was on Mount Sinai hearing from God, getting those Ten Commandments for 40 days and 40, 40 nights. The spies were sent into the land for how long? 40 days. 40 stripes in the book of Deuteronomy was the maximum number allowed for anyone who was being punished. 40 lashes. It's a number of testing. When Israel disobeyed God, he gave them over to their enemies for how long? In Judges 13 verse 1, 40 years. It's the number of testing. 40. 40. First three kings of Israel, Saul, David, Solomon, ruled for 40 years each. It's interesting, isn't it? As you look at that over, over the years. The prophet Jonah prophesied for the destruction of Nineveh. And if they didn't repent, God was going to destroy the city. And he gave them 40 days to turn things around. And they did, and God saved that city. And for 40 days, Jesus was tempted. He was tempted by the devil, the Bible says, yet he did not sin. Now, if Jesus can be tempted and be without sin, the good news is, so can you. So can you and I. If Jesus can be tempted and be without sin, so can you and I. And remember, Jesus was not tempted because he was bad. He was tempted because he was important. Can I say about you, don't underestimate what God can do in and through you. So friend, I want to tell you, you're not tempted because you're bad. You're tempted because you're important. You're tempted because God's got a plan. He wants to use your mess and make it a message. He wants to take your life and turn it around. And if he can get you to divert, if he can pierce and probe your situation, if he can just get you to change course just a little, if he can get you to take, if he can just take you off track, he, I want to tell you he's one. So he's going to pierce. He's going to try you. He's going to test you. He's going to probe. He's going to pierce and probe. But I want to tell you, friend, he's doing it because you're important, not because you're bad, because he knows that there's a destiny on you and that if you ever got wind of the fact that God might just use you to reach somebody, that God might just use you to change somebody's life, He's going to do whatever He can to stop it. Whatever He can to stop it. And that's why He leans on your doorbell. That's why He leans on your doorbell. And I'm just saying here today, don't answer the door. Don't answer the door. See, temptation is not sin. It's a call to battle. It's a call to battle. You've got to understand when you're, you're in the battle, it, it, this, this, is, this is a time to stand up and believe God. And it is a battle. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But I want to say this. Don't let the fact. Is this all right, everybody? Don't let the fact that you're tempted make you feel like you've failed. Because that's where that's that person in the last, between the last service, that's what happened. They get tempted so they feel like a failure. Don't let the fact that you're tempted make you feel like you failed. The best of saints may be tempted by the worst of sins, Matthew Henry said. But temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted as all points as we are, yet was without sin. And my friend Anon said, somebody go, who's Anon? You know the story. It's anonymous. I thought it was a guy named Anon. I was like, he's amazing. 
so many quotes. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just not that smart. <laughs> Temptation is something that we must never excite, but always expect. And so we need to draw the line. And so all I'm trying to say today and I pray this helps, is we have to draw the line and understand there is a difference between, help me Jesus, spelling by faith. Yay, I am getting better, aren't I, dear? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what I could have spelled a couple of years ago. But I want you to understand that temptation is not sin. There is a line. And when you don't understand that and when you don't discern it, what happens is people get tempted and they just go, oh, well, it's just I've, I've mucked up now. Might as well go all the way. And then I fight it. And temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted and he did not sin. A lot of people, they, they, they say things like this, you know, you know, can I do this and be a Christian? I don't know whether Aaron covered this last week. Can I do this and be a Christian? Can I do that and be a Christian? It's like, it's kind of the wrong question. Can, can I do this? You know, me and my girlfriend, you know, can we do, how, how far can we go and still be Christian? Not very far. No, sorry. <laughs> can, we, can I do this for me, a Christian? Because really what you're saying is, how close to the edge can I go? And really, you're, you're, really, Christianity then becomes about rules and regulations, which you don't want it to be about what, what I'm saying to you today is don't answer the door. Yeah. What I'm saying to you today is stay away from the edge. Yeah. Stay away from the edge. Don't, 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 don't see how, how close can I go. I don't want to tip over, but I just want to go as close as I can. But no, I, I'm just telling you, don't, don't go close. Stay away. Tap your neighbor and say, the pastor's definitely talking to you. Stay away from the edge. Stay away from the line. Don't, 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 don't get up so close because, it, 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 because that line is such a, such a thin, thin line. And we're all going to be, can I say this? See, I've upset Andrew. He's going. But I, I've, listen, you, you, you've got to understand, temptation is going to be a part of our experience. I, I don't think we're going to get to a place we're, 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 we're not tempted someday in some way, in some form. I tell my favorite story or one of my favorite stories about the, the kid who wanted to be a preacher and he's, he's, he's talking and he's, 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 he's listening to this 87-year-old preacher. We had a guy who was 97 in the last service. Uh, sorry, in the 8 a.m. service, 8 a.m. service, two services ago. But But... Uh, the kid was listening to this preacher. The preacher's preaching, and then there came a Q and A. And the young fella said to the older, uh, older fella, the older preacher, he's like, hey, "Man, I, I, I just want to be a preacher." Old fella's like, "Good, that's great." He's like, "But I really, I really look. I got a problem. I, I want to be a preacher, but I struggle with girls, and I, I can't stop thinking about them. If I see a pretty girl, I'm like, whoa." I just want to know, but I really want to be a ministry. But I got the struggle. I just want to know. When does that stop? And the 87-year-old preacher looked at him and said, when it does, I'll let you know. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Needless like that is hope for people. What do you say? I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, for all of us. At 87, still full of... 
I, I don't know what point you're trying to... <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. What are you trying to say? That's a whole other message. Tempting, though. Temptation. Understand, we, we, we've got to understand, we will never get to a day when we, we, we can't experience the fact of being tempted. All I'm saying is don't answer the doorbell. You ever had someone ring the doorbell and you've wanted to avoid it? Yeah, yeah. You, you even see their faces right now, you know. But sometimes, you know, it's like that when you see the Jehovah's Witnesses coming, you know, they're, they're coming down the... The road, we got, we, we got Jehovah's Witnesses on Sector 6, you know. Dive, dive, dive. You're diving behind couches. You're diving behind everything, everything trying to get away. But, but, but it's like that. The devil's on your doorbell, friend. Don't answer the door. They can lean on the doorbell all you like. Don't answer the door. Stay away from the edge. Stay away from the line. How do we resist temptation? Someone said this. Nothing makes it easier to resist temptation than a proper upbringing, a sound set of values, and witnesses. Come on, somebody. Some of you are a bit slow. I'll just say that again. Nothing makes it easier to resist temptation than a proper upbringing, a sound set of value, and the fact that there are witnesses watching what's going, going on. That's not the proper response. But how do we resist temptation when it happens? How do we, how do we, how do we resist it? Well, to find out, come next week for part two. <laughs> And we will talk about that there. As I close, here's what we've got to understand. Temptations are everywhere. They're everywhere. But so is the grace of God. So is the grace of God. You might be battling or struggling, but wrestling with temptation. The Bible talks about the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's a wrestle going on. You might be wrestling even right now with stuff that nobody else knows. But I want to tell you, whatever it is that you're going through, temptations are everywhere, but so is the grace of God. And here's what the Bible says about His grace. His grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. He won't run out of grace. There is more than enough. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, you know every situation in this room today. You know every struggle. You know every battle. You know every heartache. You know every wrestle. You know every temptation that people are facing today. And so, Lord, we just ask right now that you would sovereignly move in every person's life in this room. Father, I pray that they would know the sense that your grace is sufficient. They would sense a washing of your grace, a filling of your grace, a, 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 that they would sense a measure of your goodness and grace. We thank you that your mercy is new this morning and that your grace is sufficient for, for whatever we're facing even today. 
and certainly for tomorrow. And so help us to walk in your grace. Help us to walk not living in our own righteousness as we've talked about, but in your righteousness. Help us to know your way. Give us wisdom to keep away from the line. When we hear the doorbell, let us not open the door. Let your grace be sufficient for us all.